G'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Friday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a silly package. I am Glenn ZB, and this morning, why does this government seem to have such an accountability problem? Nobody's ever held responsible for anything that ever goes wrong because um, they've delegated it down the chain and they don't seem to look down the chain to make sure that it's actually working. We'll mark the week, it's Friday, that's what we do. Uh, but first up, yes, uh, the uh, GDP uh, fallout. Uh, pretty, pretty devastating. There is no hiding, no hiding from minus 1.6. It is a disaster. The Q1 GDP number is our first, can't hide from it, it's not a guess, factual statement as to what sort of mess our economy is in. Sadly, the forecasters had picked minus 1. So unlike many other guesses that turn out to be overly negative, this one turned out to be overly optimistic, unfortunately. Minus 1.6 for the months of January, February and March. Compare it to Australia at minus 0.3. We are in excess of five times worse than that. If there was ever any doubt that they are managing this better than us, minus 0.3 versus minus 1.6 is your answer. This ends the government's worst week. By so far, it doesn't matter. Not only has the health side of the equation been botched, in comedic, tragic and gobsmackingly unprofessional fashion, the price we are paying economically is massive. Politically, my guess is this week will have turned the love tap for the government off, the sycophancy, the adoration, the international headlines, the Jacinda and Ashley can do no wrong, hypnotic trance so many fell into will have turned. You can't put a country through what we have to then have a bunch of half-wits at the ministry screw it up in their dumpty-doo fashion, no one to be held accountable, and then, oh, by the way, Look how badly we've tanked the economy as well. Remember the Q1 for Q1, January and February weren't even COVID months. Nothing untoward was happening apart from the government's economic policies slowing the economy. And don't forget that pre-COVID, the economy and the economic delivery of this government was ordinary to say the least. Add COVID on top. And if you think Q1 is bad, the real misery comes in Q2. Q2 is April, May and June. If there is hope, it is this. We aren't out of June yet, obviously, and for a lot of June, we've been in level one. The money stats say spending has been solid, if not spectacular. It might be June works out okay, and the only damage is April and May. But if March sunk Q1, then two months worse than that in Q2 is surely a sign we are sinking as we speak like a stone. Those Q2 numbers will be out by election time. If things continue the way they have this week for the government, they may well be the final nail in the coffin. Here's the simple truth. They underestimate the suffering and sacrifice we have gone through. They don't get the life-changing trauma they've inflicted on hundreds of thousands of us. Because they've never been in the real world, and because their jobs are safe, this to them has been a project. For the rest of us, it's our life. We end the week with the health part in tatters and the economy in tatters. Conclusion? They couldn't run a piss up in a brewery. Yeah, so it seemed like an inappropriate day to put Andrew Kelleher into the podcast. A loyal, faithful member of our crew. Always does a great job. I hardly ever put him in. But today, we had plenty to talk about, plenty to say. Uh, let's hear it. Minus 1.6. Yes, they are extraordinary times, aren't they? Um, so we've got the number. And this, this is a very unusual situation, actually, Mike, because, you know, we talked yesterday, market consensus. So we're talking about first quarter GDP. Um, market consensus was a... Con- contraction of approximately 1%, uh, but there was this acknowledgement there was going to be plenty of potential for, for variation in the outcome. Let's not forget that back in May, the RBNZ had forecast a 2.4% contraction. Um, you know, but um, 
at 1.6% annual growth at 1.5%. This is a long way from you know, from where expectations were. Um, just on this, annual growth running at one and a half percent, a year ago running at 3.1%. And I think you might have made the point a little bit a little bit earlier. We've actually been in a gradual decline yes. on on GDP since 2017. Exactly. So, so let's not. What happened not in 2017, Andrew? Um, many things, many things will have happened to that. <laughs> I know you're referring to. Um, look, these aren't normal times, though, are they? These aren't normal times. This is the biggest drop in GDP in 29 years, and I think that will be the biggest drop in most people's work career, I would have thought. So we've got the evidence of the initial effects of COVID-19 impacting on economic activity, but remember that also came on top of the smaller impact from the drought. Now we've had, there were six days affected by the lockdown, so that's approximately 7% of the quarter. Um, you actually got to go back to uh, 1990, yeah, it is 1991, yeah, Mike, for 2.4% fall. But as you said also, the real headliner is going to be quarter two. Um, that's when we really get to see, you know, the real the real impact. Where was the pain felt? It was felt in the services sector that contributed about half the overall fall in GDP. Uh, not surprising, really, given that that represents about two thirds of the economy. Uh, the goods producing industries also within the services, transport, uh, postal accommodation, restaurants and bars. Hospo down 7.8%. So that's a pretty ugly number. Construction down 4.1%. Uh, Stats had to look at some alternative data sources to get this number out. And this also points to the fact that we're going to get revisions to this data. So this isn't the end game for the quarter one GDP number. We don't really know where it, where it will end up. Um, you also referenced before, there are comparisons floating around if we look at other uh, other jurisdictions, Australia 0.3, uh, Canada 2.1, so they were a little bit more, Japan 0.6, UK 2, the US 1.3. Um, I think we will only get the true comparative picture, Mike, though, over time because um, all jurisdictions probably facing different, Australia may be similar to us, um, all jurisdictions were facing sort of different timelines, there were different yeah. phases, uh, measuring differently, so we need, to, we need to see the end result. Now, GDP for quarter two comes out on the 17th of September. Exactly. So the timing for that's kind of interesting. Exactly. I mean, there's a whole lot of living got to be done before then, hasn't there? But that, that could swing the election, I reckon. I reckon it's, you know, two days before the vote, if the polls are tight and you pivotal. get something super ugly and the price is too high for most New Zealanders, that's your election. Note to self, put more Andrew Kelleher into the podcast. Uh, he's always, always good. And sometimes he almost makes uh, financial matters make sense. Almost. Uh, what doesn't make sense is how uh, nobody can be to blame uh, for all the mistakes uh, the Ministry of Health seems to have made uh, over the last week or so. Um, why is that? So, I don't even know where to begin. As we said a couple of days ago when Thelma and Louise were let loose to go to Wellington, that this would only be the beginning, and sure enough, there was an avalanche. And yesterday on this program, at about this time, we asked uh, Ashley Bloomfield, we said, Ashley, how many people have you let out of hotels that you haven't tested. Very simple question. How many people have you let out of hotels that you haven't tested? And he didn't have the answer then, and he doesn't have the answer now, and he didn't have the answer all day yesterday, despite the fact he said he was going to go get the answer. You know why he can't find the answer? They don't have it. There isn't an answer because they don't know. And in that is the crime. And I note with a great deal of interest that the Prime Minister denies any personal responsibility. I don't know who Winston wants to hold to account. He doesn't want to hold David Clark to account. I'm assuming he doesn't want to hold Jacinda Ardern to account. She refuses to say sorry. Bloomfield at least yesterday said sorry. 
She refuses to say sorry. Listen to this. If I had any personal responsibility for what happened here, of course, I'd take that. Any personal responsibility. She speaks as though she's actually not involved in this in any way, shape or form. She talks about the system has let us down as though she has no relationship with the system. The system is something that she might meet on the way to morning tea in a corridor. She hasn't quite connected the dots that she is, in fact, the system, in charge of the system, runs the system, directs the system, points the system in the direction it needs to go. But Of course, when nobody actually does put their hand up um, and, and is accountable, uh, I usually assume it's my fault. That's certainly how it works in my house anyway. Uh, so, yeah, it might be me. It might actually be something I did. And if that is the case, I am really sorry. Uh, let's finish up by marking the week. It's Friday. It's what we do. The government's week one. Yep, if it doesn't rain, it pours. The teddy bears are gone and the acrimony, anger and furies arrive. David Clark, four. Well, I think that this is a system failure. He has been a lost cause for ages, but now he just looks pathetic. And yet... Still in the portfolio. Jacinda Ardern, three. Quick question on the Auditor-General's report on PPE. Uh, nope. Her worst week by so far, it really doesn't matter. And not directly her fault, and yet really it is. When you expect so little, deal in nothing more than headlines and noise and next to no detail, it always comes back to bite you. Ashley Bloomfield, one. Look, Mike, it's not a calamity. Amazing he's still in work as well. Between the testing debacle and the PPE reviews, he has been badly exposed as little more than another ministry lifer out of his depth when the real real work arrives. If you bought the T-shirt, bin it. Q1, one. And the price we are all paying for this and all of those numpties is an economy that tanked way worse than the experts had thought. And what's worse, Q2 will make this look like a sunny day in recovery. Faulty Tower, seven. Don't mention the war. I mentioned it once, but I think I got away with it all right. Only because it got reinstated by the BBC, who, like all the other woke hand-ringers, panicked when they saw a bit of anger from a lineup of go-nowheres and decided nothing made before the Me Too era should ever see the light of day again. Statues, too. From Rhodes to Cook, Britain to the States to here, all boxed and covered or moved or shipped. It's an abdication of leadership. It is denial of where we've come from. It is a sop to people who half the time don't even know what they're angry about. And there you go. Um, I don't think I actually got anything wrong in Mark the Week this week. So um, I don't have to be held accountable for anything. I don't have to accept the blame. And I can enter the weekend guilt-free for a change. Uh, I'll be back here again on Monday with another rewrap where I probably will have cocked something up by then. And I'll be able to apologise. I'll see you then. (laughs) 